0: thank you for joining us and remember to rate subscribe and review let's do this Hello, hello, and welcome to Hearts and Stripes podcast. This is your host, Brie Carroll, and I am so excited to bring you another Heart to Heart. So this Heart to Heart is special because it is on the heels of Juneteenth, our newest federal holiday. So this episode is special because I'm going to actually be featuring a clip from the Military Family Town Hall 2021 that I hosted last night on my Armed Forces Insurance Air Force Spouse of the Year page. So this discussion is just a segment where I spoke with my own family, Lieutenant Colonel Kendrick Carroll, and my husband, Captain Donovan Carroll. So before we get into this interview, I absolutely want to highlight Military Marriage Day. Military Marriage Day is a holiday which will be celebrated on August the 14th, 2021. You can find out all of the things that will be going on for Military Marriage Day as we celebrate and commemorate the oath and the vows that our service couples take. Information will be shared as far as the countdown, the two-day summit, the giveaways, and so much more all on www.MilitaryMarriageDay.com. You don't want to delay RSVP for Military Marriage Day at www.MilitaryMarriageDay.com. Now, let's jump into this discussion all around race in the military family as you hear from my very own family Kendrick Carroll and Donovan Carroll all right everyone we are going to get started with a very special segment for this military family town hall this discussion on race and I am excited to introduce you to two members of my family um, to take part in this discussion so first we have Lieutenant Colonel Kendrick Carroll and Captain Donovan Carroll joining us for the segment. So the first question that I have, Kenny, I will pose it to you. Um, What were your feelings in 2020 regarding the racial tension and awakening of the nation? Um, And what do you believe we've learned today? Like a year later, what do you think we've learned as a nation, as a military community?
1: So my perspective is going to be different than others. So everybody's got their own, um, their own lens through which they viewed the events of 2020. I think um, COVID being the, the, the easy one. Um, one thing that I, that I learned is that we are so much more dependent upon each other than we ever realized. Think about all the, um, you know, supply shortages that we had, some of the supply shortages that we're still um, experiencing today and it's already a brand new year. Um, in some cases, we were um, minim, minim, minimally manned up until you know, the vaccinations. Once the vaccinations rolled out, we were still dependent on everybody to actually accept the vaccination, and um, our manning was dependent upon it. So somehow that became uh, political. So it's a what I learned is you know it's it's a very good thing that we take an oath to uh, the, the Constitution, not necessarily a political party. If you remember. You know all the events that happened with the insurrection on the on the Capitol. You know that was a, an eye-opening experience for a lot of people, and I'll just be honest with you. From from my little foxhole, for me, it wasn't necessarily a, an eye-opening experience because I accepted very uh, many years ago that the the military, and this is where you know some people were shocked that there were actually military members a part of it, and I t- and I tell people that the military is still a microcosm of American society, so. Military members bring with them their, their their cultures and values when they join, right? So we have to accept that just like there were those folks with those cultures and beliefs and values that thought it was a good idea to, uh, you know, suck the cap- capitalism and be a part of the insurrection. Some of them thought they were doing the right thing, I'm sure. Uh, I would argue that many of us disagreed with, with that uh, perspective. Um, but what I did learn is it it doesn't just, because you wear the uniform, because you're part of the military, it doesn't exempt you from some of those uh, extreme uh, beliefs on, on both sides um, of, the, of the aisle, if you will, to use the common vernacular. So what I learned is we absolutely depended upon each other and um, because we wear the uniform, it doesn't um, alleviate us from being exposed or susceptible to a lot of those strong beliefs and values that the rest of America, was subjected to uh, throughout the last uh, year in the middle of a pandemic as well.
0: Yeah, that's really good perspective. I think we can all agree that we've seen that in one way, shape, or form, just being reliant upon one another. I know even um, I mentioned with another panelist, even with how people reacted in protests and things, change was seen in this short period of time because of the diversity in age, and group and ethnicity for those who uh, lended their voice to this shift in the nation. So I I could definitely see how being dependent on one another is a big takeaway um, for this. And and I definitely appreciate your transparency with not necessarily being surprised with um, how those events at the Capitol played out, whereas some people really were shocked and surprised at, at the actions that were taking place. So, Donovan, my question to you as it relates to um, race, what were some things that you saw implemented in our branch in the Air Force um, that you thought were steps in the right direction, whether that be steps from leadership, steps from people in your peer group, um, what were some some steps that you th- thought were positive um, that came out of these events?
2: So, I think, think the first thing that I saw was the implementation of uh, diversity surveys, right? And... Um, getting the perspective of your minority members and giving them the avenue to actually come forward and say like, yes, I've experienced, you know, certain kinds of treatment along the way. And the first part of correcting a problem is acknowledging that you have one. Uh, So with that, I think opening up that, that avenue for people to come forward truthfully and say, these are some of the things that I experienced. It's given the rest of us the opportunity to get together and have those discussions um, on a, you know, one-on-one level. So uh, that's definitely something I've seen within uh, my squadron uh, here most recently with uh, some of like, for example, the extremism down days or uh, just days that we've been able to just set aside and just talk uh, and actually be truthful and forthcoming uh, because I think a lot of people will acknowledge that these things happen, but if you don't see it day Mm -hmm. in and day out, it's difficult for you to acknowledge that we actually have that problem. So, uh, being able to sit across the table from your counterparts and say, "You know, I've experienced these things," has really been eye-opening. And while we, I will admit, we still have a long way to go, I think it was definitely a step in the right direction for us.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think um, just from from serving in a GS role, even with the last stand-down day, I saw some really positive conversations come out of that. Um, I know a lot of people may have had different experiences. It really depended on how much the the leaders of those stand down days ran with it, um, how they decided to implement the material that was that was provided. but I, I agree I saw a lot of really healthy one-on-one conversations and I think to get at the root of some of the issues that we're seeing um, in our nation in in our armed forces as it relates to race, it takes those one-on-one, discussions where people can just be transparent and share their experiences, because I think in shared experiences, um, I think you already relate with your crew, the people that you're working with in your squadrons, you already have some type of um, common ground. And then to say, oh, somebody that I serve within this, on, on this level has experienced that, I think it was shocking to even some, some of the airmen that I've heard, some of the conversations and experience that they have um, being younger enlisted members um, as it was the opposite with some of the um, officers that were not minorities. They, they learned a lot from, from that crosstalk. So I thought that was really good. So the question that I have for everyone um, is kind of what are some of the things that you've been intentional about doing um, and kind of what are some practical next steps for our military families as a takeaway from, from this overall discussion on race in the military family. I'll go first. I know one of the uh, messages that I will continue to champion as the 2020-2021 Armed Forces Insurance Air Force Spouse of the Year, um, and, and as a minority doing so, is that it is you have to be okay with being the only one in the room Um, And I know a lot of my minority spouses who um, serve alongside me in leadership roles and positions, we have the common story of oftentimes we are the only one who is a key spouse that is a minority, the only one who is in a leadership role in a spouse club, or the only one who has the opportunity to speak and lend a voice um, with leadership. And I think Um, Being okay with that and encouraging other people the opportunity to do so is huge. And if I can just add on to that, also, if I have a seat at the table, being willing to bring that chair up to the table for someone else, um, another minority that maybe doesn't look like me, but is also of a, a different group, minority group, giving them the opportunity to kind of speak up and speak out. I think that's a huge takeaway that I think I a little bit took for granted prior to this coming, this this awakening, if you will, um, that now I take a lot more seriously just because it's that much more important to keep conversations like this going and to get that diverse perspective while we're making decisions for our families and and for the mission. Kenny, what would what would you say you've been more intentional about? or what are some next steps that you would encourage? Our military community and families to kind of take from this discussion.
1: So when Secretary Austin uh, directed the uh, extremism of stand down, I, I was actually excited. Um, talk about being comfortable being the only minority in the room. I, I, I often tell the story when I was in command. I was the um, commander of a squadron out in Nellis at the Weapons School, and yeah, six Uh, black guy in a room full of uh, uh, non-minority officers, aviators, right? So um, even before the directed extremism stand down, I would have very frank conversations with the uh, airmen in my squadron, and not for my sake, but for their sake, because the majority of my squadron were officers. There were some listed, but I would say 75, 80% of the squadron were officers, so future leaders uh, of, of of our air force. So my intent was to capitalize on the opportunity that I had to um, prepare them for their leadership roles in the environment that, in which that they were going to enter once they became DOs and commanders. So I didn't want them to um, enter to a squadron that was very different than the squadron we had, right? So that squadron, again, the only minority, um, that minority happened to be the commander, but I was in a squadron that was about 90% white, um, about 95% male, and um, there were only uh, one or two females, depending on you know, the time in the, uh, in the year during my command uh, tenure. So I told them, very frankly, look, y- your squadrons will not look like this unless you come back to to command this uh, same squadron. Your squadrons will have black people, white people, Asian people, um, heterosexuals, homosexuals, um, atheists, believers, y- you name it. And I don't want you to be un- unprepared uh, to-, to lead Airmen because all Airmen um, deserve your leadership. And so when we had the extremism stand down uh, directed by Sir Secretary Austin, I'll tell you again, from, from my perspective, uh, it got um, mixed reviews because as you, as you mentioned earlier, it was very much up to the local leadership as to how well that went, right? And so um, I thought it was a great step um, in the right direction, but if you really mean it, I think, and this is where I think you're, I'm answering your question now, what are some of the practical steps? you really mean it allow those tough discussions on a uh a recurring basis and have a deliberate feedback mechanism so that if an airman of any color any gender any uh sexual orientation has a concern they have a very deliberate and more importantly a predictable way um, to to understand what that feedback uh, mechanism is so when i have that concern i voice my concern i can anticipate The uh, very deliberate methods and timelines associated with associated with uh, some sort of some sort of feedback. Um, So our revisit rate must increase. I think it we have to have those conversations um, more often in both deliberate, you know, um, sit down sessions, and then and frankly around the bar with a beer in your hand. I think is still an appropriate way to have those conversations so that we can ask some of those very pointed, very Um, uncomfortable questions and get them asked and answered right uh, by some of the um the folks in the room that that have the tangible answers about a year ago you mentioned earlier we had this uh, discussion right after the ahmaud aubrey shooting right and we had very senior leaders um as a part of that um discussion and i asked them i said great it's a hot topic now and i appreciate your candor i appreciate you um being a part of the discussion my question to them was where were you before and when this all goes away, the media finds something else to talk about, where will you be then, right? So here, if I had to give kind of some tangible uh, things to them if they were still listening, or even to spouses, or frankly, to parents of, your, of, your, um, you know, of minority children, um, or any child for that matter, you know, you've got to be able to identify the signs of non-inclusive, non-inclusive uh, behavior. I won't just jump to the extremist, the extremist behavior, but non-inclusive, right? there's a a, a spectrum from just simple biases. I don't like this, you know, I don't like hot dogs. So people with hot dogs are immediately, you know, less credible in my opinion than, you know, people that eat, you know, uh, hamburgers. Very simplistic analogy, but there is absolutely a a spectrum. So remember, right, we are a microcosm, the military is, of the American population. So each one of us comes with our own values and cultures and beliefs not just the ones wearing the uniforms, but the, the family members and the, you know that come along with us. So um, our nation, our military, they, they need and deserve all of our talents. And so uh, we lose the benefit of, of the talents that minorities uh, bring when those talented people give up and they go and take their talents elsewhere, right? Because, because they are talented, they have other options. The military is not the only option uh, for, for folks that are talented. And some of the most talented people Uh, you ever want to meet you know wear this uniform or support like yourself those folks that are that are wearing the uniform of our nation so um i think finally it's no longer uh good enough to simply say well i'm not racist great um i've never sexually assaulted anyone either however that's not good enough right if i am aware that another person another member is being sexually assaulted right it would be incumbent upon me to take action against that right so I think we need to look for the signs, intervene just like you would in a in a sapper type of situation, and then, frankly, stop the overt and the covert discrimination. So, um, take a debrief mentality, meaning identify what that problem is, what are those contributing factors to the problem, and then, you know, if we can determine what the root cause is, and and most importantly, start to apply the, the tangible fix. And just like you don't get fat overnight you know, to use a gym analogy, you don't get skinny overnight. So I think realistic expectation management is absolutely paramount where, you know, even a big boat with a little rudder, it'll eventually change course. And so you have to keep putting those control inputs um, in order to get um, our uh, culture, our American culture and our military culture to change course, to stamp out that either conscious or unconscious bias, and ultimately, right, to to rid our um, military family of any extremist uh, behavior? Long answer to a short question.
0: No, I think that was spot on. Um, I definitely agree with the practical steps that you gave. You laid out a couple. You hit different areas. Everything from our leadership to the common person who leads even the smallest group of people. So I think that was really good. Uh, Donovan, what would you kind of close us out, wrapping out, wrapping up um, some some intentional steps, some practical steps from your perspective that you would like to see even um, as we continue this conversation on race?
2: Yeah, so honestly, I'm going to echo a lot of points that you guys have already made. Right, it's a it's a continuing discussion that we have to have. It's not going to get fixed right now. It's not going to happen if we only sit and have these discussions once a quarter. You know. Uh, it's something that we have to be intentional about. But I would also encourage people to realize that uh, diversity is what makes us stronger. Uh, So don't view it as, you know, I am being forced to take on the views of others or, you know, um, uh, or going to, you know, great lengths to do something that you're, you're not per se comfortable with. But I think it, if you view it from a um, a standpoint of my overall intent is to strengthen my organization, how am I going to be able to do that? Well, the answer is by soliciting that input from people who have those differing backgrounds, who, who don't look like me, who don't think like me, and realize that that is going to further mold you and shape you uh, into the person that you want to be. So that I think that applies to both people in uniform and out of uniform for, you know, our as families as well that support us, right? Don't don't be afraid to, you know, have a friend that does not look like you, that right. does not think like you. Yeah. Maybe they are on the, the opposite aisle, side of the aisle uh, in political views or something like that. I think there's something to be learned uh, from having those interactions with people that don't necessarily think in the same way that we do or operate or look like, you know, we do. Yeah. Um, so that's what makes this country great, you know, and that's what makes us the the strong force that we are is that we don't all look alike and thus you know, act the same way, think the same way. Uh, So that's what makes us a a lethal force for sure.
0: I love that. And I am grateful just to have the opportunity to have this discussion with my family. Thank you both for participating in the Military Family Town Hall discussions on race. This will wrap us up. Um, If you have any questions regarding the topics that we've discussed here, please feel free, comment below, slide a DM, In my inbox, um, I can definitely point you to in the right direction, provide you with some resources and get you connected with some SMEs. If you would like to have a forum like this in in your own uh, club, at your installation, wherever you feel the need to continue this conversation, please allow us to support you in doing so because it's a very worthy topic. As we close out, I just want to say to everyone, a happy Juneteenth. Um, And look out for more that we will have on this discussion. Okay, now it is time for my favorite segment in this heart to heart, which is heart tracks. You can find all of our heart tracks on the Spotify playlist, Heart Tracks 2. That's Heart Tracks 2 on Spotify for all of our heart tracks that represent this season's interviews. So it's a fun way for you to remember the conversations that we had here via the playlist. So today's heart track is a classic it is what's going on by Marvin Gaye I think this uh heart track is very appropriate especially like I said coming off of Juneteenth it's a great reminder of the progress that we have made on race and I hope that you jam out to the one and only Marvin Gaye for this heart track So thank you for joining us for this episode of Hearts and Stripes podcast. I hope you learned a little something new. And also, let me just say, shameless acknowledgement. This was the first time that Honey made the podcast. Yay! Cue the sound effects. I hope to have him on a guest again soon, but I am very grateful that he took the time to come on the mic and share his perspective on race in the military community. Um, As you hear, he is a phenomenal speaker, so I'm excited to have him on as we kind of unpack some of the things that we've learned in our military marriage, but I thought this was a very appropriate first time for him on the mic as we discuss this very important topic of race in the military community. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. This is Hearts and Stripes. We are the few, the proud, that aim high and are forged by love. Always ready, always there. We are Mill Marriage Strong.